the thief comes not except to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that you might have and enjoy life, life in abundance until it overflows. Discover how to live the abundant life in Christ through the ministry of Pastor Oseyao Afwakwa. Pastor Afwakwa is the founder and general overseer of Embassy of Life Chapel, a thriving ministry headquartered in Kumasi with a network of churches in Kumasi and Accra, Ghana. God has commissioned him to train believers through the teaching of the good news of the kingdom to know God better, live life better, and impact the world better. Get set for an empowerment that will enable you to live a life of all-round victory, success, and limitless prosperity. God bless you as you listen. grace rest upon this lips of clay and let your spirit enable me to communicate your word with simplicity with understanding and yet with power confirm it with healing and understanding and revelation thank you spirit of god our lives are never the same in jesus precious name amen and amen, amen. come with me to second timothy chapter 3 verse 1 to 5 but understand this that in the last days there will come times of difficulty verse 2 he says for people will be lovers of self lovers of money Proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not having good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God, having, having the appearance of what? Godliness, but denying its power. Avoid such people. Ask your neighbor, are you one of such people? Say, I refuse to be one. He uh, said, uh, some kind of Christians, they have a form of godliness, but they don't have power. You'll be a powerful Christian. Amen. Say, I'm a powerful Christian. Powerful. The anointing of the Holy Ghost works in my life. I walk in power. I walk in authority. The supernatural is my natural habitat. Signs follow me. Wonders follow me. Miracles follow me. Everywhere I go, Grace speaks for me in Jesus' precious name. All right, so we started this series by establishing that there are four categories of lovers. As far as the last days are concerned, there are going to be four categories of what? Lovers. We say lovers of who? Self. Lovers of money. Lovers of pleasures. Lovers of God. And the one we want to be is to remain lovers of God. Somebody say, I'm a lover of God. Say, I'm a lover of God. Okay, I've restructured the teaching, and so this is how it's going. So what we have done so far, you can have it. And so the series I'm beginning tonight is captured and titled Forbidden Love. Somebody say Forbidden Love. Oh, say it aloud, Forbidden Love. love. Yeah, Forbidden Love. Pastor, can love be forbidden? Yes, there's a certain kind of love that is Forbidden Love. And I pray that by the time we are through, the Holy Spirit will give you understanding. Shout a better amen. amen. Okay, forbidden love. Forbidden love. You see, once we enter into a love relationship with God, that's what salvation is. Salvation brings you into a love relationship with God. So the Bible says that Christ loved the church and gave himself for it, and that he might cleanse and sanctify it by the washing of water. But husbands, love your wife just as Christ loved the church. You are the church. Somebody say, I'm the church. Say, I am the church. Okay. Corporally, we are the church. Individually, we are also the church because we are the people Christ died for. And so, when Christ died for us, he brought us into a matrimonial union. He brought us into what? Yeah. We are in love with Christ. We are his bride. We are his bride. You are his bride. The church is the bride of Christ. And so, we are in that matrimonial union. And the moment you enter into a matrimonial union, one of the things you learn quickly is the fact that you have to learn and understand that not only are you supposed to express your love to your spouse, but there are other people you cannot express love to. I get what I'm talking about. So the moment you enter into a matrimonial union, you have love that is allowed and you have love that is forbidden. Are you here with me? So there is forbidden love. And 
the love relationship we had with Jesus or with Christ or with the Holy Spirit or God the Father, also because of that union, there are things that we cannot do, there are things we can't love. The Christian is supposed to be a lover. In fact, the Bible says, but this all men will know that you are my disciples indeed because you have love for one another. So if there is one principal feature that must characterize our lives as Christians is the fact that we are walking in love. That is number one. But you see, in as much as we are to love and to love people, to love God and to love, there are also things a believer is not permitted to love. Are you here with me? All right, so there are things a believer cannot love. And so when I talk about forbidding love, I'm looking at those things that a believer is not permitted to love. And so tonight you want to come with me to the book of First John chapter 2 and verse number 15. Okay, we can start from verse 1 and we will zoom into verse 15. First John chapter 2 verse 1. My little children, my what? Oh, say it, my little children. I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. John was a very, very old man. So by the time he was writing this letter, he saw every believer as a little child. That man so aged there that he didn't want to die. They put him in oil, they fried him, he didn't die. Then they pushed him all the way into a Patmos, an island to stay there. And when he got there, he refused to die. And he was rather getting revelation. That's why we have the book of Revelations. It was in the island of Patmos after they have tried to fry him and he didn't fry <laughs> like yeah, And they pushed him there while he was there. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day and I heard. He began to hear things. You will hear things. I said you will hear things. Where you are in the spirit, the spirit of God communicates to you. So John was writing this letter and he says that I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. Little children, that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. Now follow this very closely. Just stay there. Just stay at chapter 1 because that's where I want to focus. The beginning of the letter is important. I'm writing this to you that you may know my little children. So the word is my little children. Then he comes down, he tells you that you have an advocate with the Father. So he's talking about a certain relationship. Can you see that? So, it's a father-son relationship. So, the book is actually written to show us, the epistles are supposed to show us how we can have sweet fellowship and communion with God. When you understand that this is a purpose why the letter was written, you will always understand its content. When you are reading it, you will not be reading some other things into it. Because as you start reading, you will see certain things. And if you don't understand this, you will think that Something else is the case. Sometimes some people, <laughs> let's go back to 15 then. Let's read it together. One go. If anyone loves, the love of the Father is not in him. Did you see that the love of the Father is not in him? So my little children, so you are my little children, but there's a way you can behave yourself that will reflect, though you are a child of God, the love of God is not at work in your life. And he says, but do not go to verse 16. For all that is in the world. Let's read it together. One go. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes. Okay. It says not from the Father, but is from the world. Amen. John 15. Now, the author of the Gospel of John is also the author of the letters of John. So, 1 John, 2 John, 3 John, and the Gospel of John, they were all written by one person, all right? So, if you see a lot of love in it, it's because John has a lot of love, and then the epistles, the letters of John also have a lot of love. Now, let's read this. He said, I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. Verse 16, they are not of the world, just as I am. Okay? Now, Jesus is making a statement here. He's about to depart and he's praying for us, for the disciples then and for everyone who will believe later. And he says that the reason I'm praying is that, Lord, don't take them out of the world, but keep them from the evil one in the world. Don't take them out. Keep them from the evil one in the world. Then he says, I am not of the world. And just as I'm not of the world, they are also not of the world. Say, I'm not of the world. Say, I am not of the world. 
say it like you mean it. I am not of the world. Okay, so you are not of the world. The reason why I say I do not love the world is because you are not of the world. You come from a different place altogether. When you go into somebody's house, you don't belong to that house. The man of the house may have his wife there. You can't go and start loving on that person. You are not of that house, and so you can't love the woman in that house. Are you here with me? He said, you are not of the world, so don't love the world. Now, once you are born again in church history and all, people have related with scripture and with God in different ways. In their quest to be holy, in their quest to be righteous, people have decided to live away from other people so that they don't sin. They call it escapism. They want to free because once they come around people, they will be contaminated, they will sin, so they stay away. So they are born again and they feel that they should stay away. In fact, there are people who even in church, because they don't want to be offended, they don't want to get involved and serve because they feel that when they get involved and they are serving, somebody will offend them. So they stay out. But you see, it's better you get involved, you get offended, and you overcome the offense so that the love of God can grow in you. Do you understand what I'm saying? If you are never offended, if you have never been made angry, you don't know that you need to deal with that anger problem. Are you here with me? You see, when we relate with people, one of the things that it helps us is that it helps us to know certain things about ourselves. I'm telling you, there are things you never knew about yourself until you started getting close to some people. Uh, some of you guys, you don't know that the way you talk puts some ladies off. Yeah. Yeah. Until you join the choir and all the ladies in the choir have problems with the way you are talking. Yeah. It should not let you feel like people don't like you. You are becoming self-aware. Yeah. And when you are self-aware, you can address yourself. Yeah. Self-awareness leads to self-addressment. And self-addressment brings positive changes. Somebody say an amen. amen. It's important. If you don't know the weaknesses in your character, you won't know what to do to fix it. Okay, so that is why we relate. So God's wisdom is not for us to stay out of the world. So when they are doing games in your school, you don't get involved. No, you can get involved. And while the games are ongoing, on the sidelines, you can be speaking to people and engaging them about Christ and inviting them to church. But you are so holy. In fact, during the games, that's why you are walking about praying. You are not a proper Christian. You go for dinner and uh, say, ah, dinner. When we go for dinner, the women will wear some dinner dresses. I don't want to be tempted. I'm not going there. You see, <laughs> there's a way <laughs> many years ago, and even now, there's a way certain believers look at the world. God doesn't see the world like that. Are you here with me? Yeah, he doesn't see the world. And we need to really understand this. I wrote this, take note of this. The believer is saved from the world, not to escape from it, but to engage it positively for the Lord. Take note of that way. The believer is saved from the world, not to escape. Somebody say, not to escape. Not to escape. But to engage it positively for the Lord. Hey, why? You don't have Valentine energy. <laughs> oh, this is not what you are expecting that I was coming to talk about. You thought I was going to show you how to no, this one will help you much better than anything. Yeah, it will help you much better than anything. Seven secrets to win your beloved. No, those things are not. <laughs> if you win him and you don't know how to keep him, you lose him. But when the love of God is working in your heart, you will know how to maintain relationships. Are you here with me? Yeah, you know, you know how to maintain relationships. The believer is saved from the world, not to escape from it, but to engage it positively for the Lord. Somebody say, I'm here to engage the world. Now look at what the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 5, verse 9 to 13. He said, I wrote to you in my epistles not to keep company with sexually immoral people. This is what Paul is saying. He said, I wrote to you not to be friends with people who are immoral. Then he goes ahead in verse 10. He said, yet certainly I do not mean with sexually immoral people of this world. Okay? Of this world. I'm not talking about people who are not born again. I'm not talking about unbelievers. So somebody can be a believer and he will be still sexually immoral. You, can you see that? So he said there's a difference. Now, but don't associate with them 
or with covetous or with the stuchness, idolaters, since you will need to go out of the well. So he says, if you are looking for a place where you will not interact with anybody who is uh, given to one sin or another, he's covetous, he's immoral, he's this sin, he doesn't, if you are looking for that kind of place, then you have to go out of the well. And that is what some of the early Christians did, the monks. They were living in monasteries. Because they didn't want to see evil, hear evil, touch evil. They don't want to see a woman makeup. They don't want to see somebody with rings. They don't want to see somebody do his hair. Everything is sin for them. Have you met a believer like that? Everything is sin. There are people that sometimes you see, they say, if you wear a ring, then those videos, you go to hell. <laughs> Have you seen? If you wear a chain, you go to hell. <laughs> that hell, eh? All kinds of people are there already. It's interesting. And people are so fascinated and they'll be sharing these kind of things. It's because they are not informed. Praise the Lord. Piercing your ear, having a chain on your leg, it doesn't take you anywhere. You can have a chain around your stomach, have a chain anywhere. It will not determine whether you go to heaven or hell. Wear makeup, don't wear makeup, it will not determine whether you go to hell or not. Am I complicating here? When you have placed your faith in Christ, that is what is important. Are you here with me? The Bible says in Christ Jesus, these things are not the things we are looking at. If no, we know man, therefore, after the flesh. Are you here? So it's not about those things. Understand this very well. Oh, how can a lady be wearing jeans? And how can a Christian lady be wearing jeans? And I went to heaven and I saw that all the people, ladies who wore jeans, didn't go there. You didn't go to the heaven we are going. It's a lie. That's not where you went to. You went to a heaven in your own dream. I'm not communicating here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You went to hell. Why did you even go to hell? As a believer, I had a dream and I went to hell. What did you go there to do? I mean, some people can have some funny, foolish visions and others are getting excited about it. And that's what others like to share. What did you go there to do? Jesus went to hell for me. Why should I go to hell? Not even in my dream. Hell is not a place you should want to go even in your dream. May the Lord help us tonight. So what we are saying is that he says you have to go out of the world. That's not what we are talking about. But he provided context to it. Verse 11. He says, but I have written unto you not to keep company with anyone named a brother who is sexually immoral. He said, if you know that somebody is a believer, he's in the church, and you know that systematically, not that once uh, occasionally he fell into a temptation, and, but it's become a pattern of life. That is the way he lives. But sorry, I'll check it, check it. Fine, fine sisters, no. No opposition, no flaw. That's all he's doing. And you know, he's done it to AC, he's done it to Susie, he's done it to Linda, and he's currently he's speaking to you about Justina. He says, if there's a brother like that, be careful about him. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, that's what the Bible is saying. That's what the Bible is saying. Can you see that? That's not what Pastor is saying. That's what the Bible is saying. He says, who is that is that because it's not. He said, even with such a person, you should not even eat. Can you see? So, God has standards. Somebody say, God has standards. And that's not say to make him an enemy. But don't have a certain level of fellowship with him. What he's saying is that don't behave with him in such a way that he will feel emboldened to continue. Do something that will let him know that you don't approve of what he's doing, but you love him. Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. We should learn to make people know we love them without necessarily endorsing what they do. Are you here with me? That's what Christianity is about. You can love anybody, but wrong behavior should not be approved. Now look at this. Verse 12. Thank you, Spirit of God. For what have I to do with judging them, those who are also outside? Do you not judge those who are inside? So he said, my concern is not about those who are outside because those who are outside, Christ is the one who is supposed to judge them. But those who are inside, leadership and we ourselves should be able to speak one to another. This is beautiful. Can you see that? I mean, I can't wait to come and talk to you about fellowship from the book of Ephesians. Amen? And what it means to be in fellowship. That's where we'll be going in the, maybe in the next two weeks from in the Sunday series. This is a real fellowship. This is proper Christian fellowship. He said, but those who are outside, God judges. 
If somebody is not born again, oh, pastor, you can't judge me. Oh, you can't. No. Oh, uh, my brother, you can't talk to me. You can't judge me. No. If you are a believer and you have a fellow believer and he's going wrong, you have the right to speak to them lovingly, not condemningly. Are here with me? Don't tell them you are going to hell. If you don't stop this thing, hell is your destination. It's not true. There is no hell destination for the one who is in Christ. Are here with me? If you are born again, say it. You are secured in Christ. Praise the Lord. Are you here with me? Yeah. Okay. So, that's it. We are talking about love not the world. Somebody say love not the world. What's the title of my teaching? Forbidding love. Somebody say forbidding love. Okay. So, we are still looking at the world and why this is the case. Now, look at Ephesians 2, verse 1 and 2. Ephesians 2, 1 and 2. The Amplified Classic says, You... He made alive. Somebody say, I was made alive. alive. He said, you, he made alive when you were dead by your trespasses and sins. Now look at verse 2. He said, in which at one time you walk habitually. You walk habitually. You were following the cause and fashion of this world. Somebody say, the cause. Or say it, the cause and fashion of this world. Under the sway and the tendency of this present age, following the prince. Somebody say, following the prince. So, we are following the course of the world. We are following the prince of this world. He says, you were obedient to and under the control of the demon spirit that still constantly works in sons of disobedience. Serious. The careless, the rebellious, and the unbelieving who go against the purposes of God. Are you here? Did you see that? He says, you were. Look at that. In which you once walked, you were following the ways of the world. He said, in which at one time you walk habitually. You were following. So, this is in your past. This is what he's talking about. He said, in your past, you were following the course of this world and the fashion of this world. That is it. You used to be in love with the world. You used to listen to secular music. You used to go to the discos. You used to go to the jams. That used to be your natural identity. You used to craft small, small. I hear what you mean. That's what you used to do. But now, you are a new person. And because you are a new person, you need to align your life differently. So, look at verse number one. Verse one. I think verse one is fine. You he made alive when you were dead. So he said, in your dead state, those were the things that you were doing. But now you have been made alive. Somebody have been made alive. Shout, I'm alive in Christ. The life of God is in me. I live eternally. Come on, shout it well. I'm alive in Christ. The life of God is in me. I have eternal life in my spirit. I live eternally. I function supernaturally. He said, you've been made alive. Somebody said, I've been made alive. So, one, we have been made alive. And because we've been made alive, he says, we have been redeemed from the world. Somebody said, I've been redeemed from the world. We have been redeemed from the world. Not only have we been redeemed, so we were redeemed and we were kept in the world. You remember John 15 and 16? Do you remember that? We have been redeemed from the world by the sacrifice of cross on the cross and we have been kept in the world. Somebody say, I am kept in the world. Say, I am kept in the world. John 17, 15 to 16. He said, I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them. Don't be in a hurry to want to go to heaven. Are you here? If God needed you in heaven, the day you got born again, he would have just picked you up like that. But once you are here, he needs you here. So stay here. Somebody say, I'm here. here. Don't be thinking about, oh, I had a dream and you were dead. Forget it. You are here for a purpose. Somebody say, I'm fulfilling my purpose. (laughs) There are some dreams and visions. When people share them with me, they are not prayer points at all. I'm here. He has kept me here. I have a purpose to do. I'm not communicating. So, we have been redeemed from the world. We have been kept in the world. Number three, we've been given a mission in the world. Somebody say, I have a mission in the world. Say it, I have a mission in the world. I have a mission in the world. Jesus said in John 17, 18. John 17, 18 and Mark 16, 14. He said, as you sent me into the world, I have also sent them into the world. Can you see that? 
That's mission. There's a mission. Jesus was sent. He sent us. Mark 16, uh, 15. He said unto them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Say, I have a mission in the world. And I'm fulfilling my mission. Number four, you are expected to live differently from the world. Somebody say, I'm expected to live differently from the world. Oh, pastor, where are you going? You see, you're talking about forbidden love. When are you getting there? I'm getting there. Turn to your neighbor and say, be patient. Say, abutremenkumzi. Yeah. Amen. Tell to you, let me say two words. So, we've been redeemed from the world. We are kept in the world. We have a mission in the world. And we are expected to live differently from the world. Somebody, I'm expected to live differently from the world. Okay, Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the message of God, that you present your bodies as living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Then he says, be not, let's read it together, one go, be not, oh, please read it, be not, but be what? Transformed by the renewing of your mind. So you are not to conform to this world. You are supposed to live differently from the world. Have you seen where we are going? We have been redeemed. We have been kept in the world. We've been given a mission in the world. And while we are in the world, the Bible says we should not conform to this world. When the Bible says, love not the world, we need to have this background. Because if you don't get it, you will think that, oh, as long as I'm in the world, I have to love the world. As long as I'm in the world, I have to operate like everybody in the world. No, we are in the world. But our lives are expected to be different. But here is the catch. You see, this world there, there's somebody who is in charge. Somebody say, there's somebody who is in charge. Uh-huh. There's somebody who the Bible says he's in charge. And his name is called the devil. He's a wicked one. First John 5, 19. First John 5, 19. Let's look at that. There's somebody who is in charge. He's in charge of the world, but he's not in charge of your life. Somebody shout an amen. Amen. Uh-huh. He said, we know that we are of God. And the whole world is under the sway of what? Oh, the sway of what? Who is controlling the world? The wicked one. When you see an accident happen, ah, God is not in charge. There is a wicked one who is in charge. He is managing the affairs of the world. But you see, you have the greater one living in the inside of you. And so it gives you advantage. That's why it's a little children. You are of God and have overcome the world. For greater is he that is in you than the wicked one in the world. Somebody say, I'm more than a conqueror. I have authority over Satan and his cohorts. I exercise power. I exercise dominion over every limitation of the devil. Yeah, that's it. So Satan is in charge of the world. And because he's in charge of the world, he also has an agenda. Somebody say he has an agenda. Yeah, God wants us to fulfill a purpose here. Satan also has an agenda for us. His agenda is to make sure that we conform to the world. That's Satan's agenda. His agenda is to make sure that you are in love with the world so much that what God wants you to do, you can do it. How many of you are falling in love with a lady and, you know, that period of falling in love where it's as if you are getting sick? You've been there before. Particularly when you have gone to fire and speak, the feedback has not come. And when you call and she's not picking up, like mommy did it to me many years ago. When you call and she's not picking, then you are wondering what is happening. And you'll be calling and calling again. May the Lord surprise somebody. And give you somebody who will pick quickly. That feeling, sometimes it's as if you are sick. How many of you have been there before? Yeah, yeah. You see, you see, there is that feeling of love. That is there. That is not agape. That is eros. All right? Now, <laughs> call waiting. Oh, Valentine's Day. <laughs> That's her birthday. <laughs> call waiting. You have been calling several. She's not picking. And when you are calling, there was no call waiting. Or she didn't pick. And now you are calling, call is waiting. So you are wondering. So who is on the line? Is it that she has said yes to somebody? Your mind is working some way. 
May the Lord help you. I said, may the Lord help us. So what I'm saying is that Satan also has an agenda. And his agenda is so that you love the world. Amen? Amen. He wants you to love the world. Somebody say, Satan wants me to love the world. He's working constantly for me to conform to the patterns of the world. All right? But that shall not be your experience. Uh-huh. There are many relationships we can have with the world. We can have a mission to the world. We can go everywhere. But there is a relationship we are not permitted to have with the world. It's a love relationship. Somebody says it's a love relationship. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We are not permitted to love the world. So let's look at our text again. Our text again. Somebody say, loving the world is forbidden. Say, I'm a lover of Christ. I'm a lover of the Holy Ghost. I'm a lover of the word of God. I don't love the world. I love the word of God. I love church. I love fellowship. I love believers. I love the word of God. I refuse to be a lover of the world. Look at this. He said, do not. And it's clear. Do not love the world or the things of the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. It couldn't have been so clear and simple and straightforward. Very, very simple and straightforward. It's a command. Do not love the world. And then when you go to verse 16, he says, For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes and pride of life, is not from the Father, but is from the world. Verse 17, the world is passing away along with his desires, but whosoever does the will of God shall abide forever. As we begin this series, expect that we'll be walking along this trajectory. One, we'll be looking at the command not to love the world. Somebody say the command not to love the world. Say the command not to love the world. That is the first one we'll look at. And then we'll look at the cost of loving the world. The cost of loving the world. Somebody say the cost of loving the world. Say the cost of loving the world. Then we'll consider the core components of loving the world. Say the core components. Yeah, when we say you are in love with the world, what are the things that will show that you are in love with the world? What are the core components? And then we will look at the climax of the world. The climax of the world. And all of that can be found in 1 John chapter 2, verse 15 to 17. And so we will start right away with the command, do not love the world. That's the command. Somebody says a command. Say, God is commanding you and me. Not to love the world. Okay? So he said, do not love the world. Today, that's what we are focusing on. I'm not too sure we even finish. Do not love the world. Turn to your neighbor and say, do not love the world. world. Including Shatawale song. Ah. Tell the person, including Shatawale song. Yeah. And Kwadwantri. Say, and Kwadwantri. Yeah, the one you love most. Minyantabaya. Turn to your neighbor and say, don't sing Minyantabaya again. And Akwabwa. Understand, he's a lover guy of Ghana now. He sings all the love songs. And the ladies are feeling, if you touch me like this, if you hold me like that. <laughs> that is still Indian, right? If you touch me like this, it's all coming back to me. Coming, what is coming back to you? Nothing will come back to you. Praise the Lord. Now, what does it mean? Do not love the world. When we say do not love the world, what does it mean? Do not love the world strictly means that you are forbidden to do so under any and every circumstance. Somebody say any and in all circumstances. You are not to love the world in any circumstance. You can't give an excuse for loving the world. In any and all circumstances, you are not to love the world. Hey, Pastor. See, that's what you are thinking about. <laughs> I know you are thinking about that. But <laughs> we will get there. We will get there. No, that's not it. Praise the Lord. He said, it's a command. Do not love the world. Do not love. Don't become so carried away with the world. Don't be so much into the world. 
Don't seek the good of the world above the way you seek the good of Christ. That's what it means to love the world. Don't make the world your priority much more than Christ is your priority. Don't love the world. Don't be carried away. Don't be in love. Don't flow along with the world. I hear with me. Don't seek the advancement of the world and its pleasures above a rich relationship with God. Don't love the world. Don't love the world. And what are we forbidden to love? In the text, what are we forbidden to love? Two things there. One is the world. Somebody say the world. And two, the things of the world. Are you seeing that? He said, do not love the world and the things in the world. Somebody say the things in the world. Say the things in the world. Say, I don't love the world, nor the things in the world. Okay, so that is it. Do not love the world. We cannot begin to explain all this, your concerns about, ah, it has to be clear. We have to take it away. How can we take it away? We have to understand what world system we are talking about. The word world means a lot of things in the book of John. John, there are several references of the word in the book of John, the gospel of John, the letters of John. And in all of those instances, it means several, several different things. When he says world, in one context, it can mean people. In another context, it can mean something else. It's used in varied ways, almost about 10 different ways. One word, world. All right, so we need to appreciate it. Now, the word comes from a Greek word called cosmos. Somebody say cosmos. Yeah, cosmos. And when we talk about cosmos, we are looking at uh, something like it's not cosmos energy. Is it cosmos energy? <laughs> now, is that how they spell cosmos energy? Huh? Is that how they spell it? It's that C. All right. Now, cosmos. Cosmos means an orderly arrangement. Orderly what? Yeah, cosmos means orderly arrangement. Okay, orderly arrangement. To adorn yourself with ornament. Now, cosmos. Think about a word. Cosmetics. Cosmopolitan. Good. You are good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Cosmopolitan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When you think about cosmopolitan, you are looking at a big city. Big. London is a cosmopolitan city. Accra is a cosmopolitan city. Johannesburg is a cosmopolitan city. New York is a cosmopolitan city. Big. And things are, the things are orderly arranged. That kind of system. That is a system. Alright? And then we also look at cosmetics. You adorn yourself. By the time you go to the salon and come back, you are looking all glorious. Yeah, but when you go under the shower, your rear self appears. You see, that is cosmetic. There is a certain cosmetic feel about your life. Are you here with me? So, when we talk about cosmos, that's what it means. It also means an apt and harmonious arrangement or constitution, order or government. So, an order or government, a certain government. And when you have a government, the government of Ghana, the president, Akufuado, is the head of state. Do you get it? Now, in, in the same way, in the spiritual world, there is also a certain cosmos. And this cosmos, unlike cosmopolitan Ghana or Accra, where President Kufuado or the mayor may be the person in charge, that this cosmos we are talking about, there is a man who is in charge. His name is the devil. You see, where we read, you remember 1 John 5, 19, he said the whole world is under the wicked one. 1 John 5, 18, do you see that? The world is under the wicked one. 1 John 5, 18. He said, we know that we are of God and the whole world lies under what? The sway of the wicked one. The whole world, that world he's talking about, that cosmos is under the devil. There's a certain world Satan controls. And that is the world we are talking about. Now, the world, world as used in the various epistles of John and the gospel of John means a number of things. One, let's look at this quickly. One, when he says world, world can mean the planet, the planet Earth. When we say world, it could mean the planet Earth. And we can see that from Ephesians chapter 1, verse 1 to 3. He said, blessed be God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. Somebody say the foundation of the world. Just as he chose us in him, verse 4, 
before the foundations of a world. He's talking about the planet. So world here means planet. And then when you see the word world, world also means the entire universe. Okay? I want you to understand. When he says, do not love the world, which of these words he's talking about? When you read the English, you just have one. You think it's just the world as it is. But there's more to it. So we are trying to understand the various words so we can connect properly. He said he chose us before the foundation. Psalm 24, he said, The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. Can you see that? So he's looking at the entire universe. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. So when we talk about world, it could also mean the entire universe. And when we talk about the world, it could also mean all of mankind, every human being on the planet. It's also captured. When we talk about the world, that is what it could mean. John chapter 3 verse 16. He said, for God so love. For God so love. Now, if this was the same as the one we read, then something must be wrong. God cannot be telling us not to love the world when he loves the world. So the world God loves is different from this world we are talking about. The world God says we should not love, which we are going to discover is different from this one. For God so loved the world. The world here represents all human beings, all mankind in the world. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Jesus did not die for trees. He didn't die for roots. He came to die for us. So word here means all of mankind. Somebody say all of mankind. Now again, word also can mean, word can mean fallen humanity. That is people who are not redeemed. People who are not born again. John chapter 17 verse 9. John chapter 17 verse 9, he said, I pray for them. I do not pray for the world. Can you see that? Jesus is not praying for where? The world. But he's praying for those whom you have given me. So Jesus was praying. If he was a pastor, he was not praying for people who are not in his church. He was praying for those who are in his church. He said, I do not pray for the world. I pray for these people, those whom you have given me. So what are the other people? The other people are those who are not born again. So when we talk about the world, the world can mean people who are not born again. And then, number six, I told you about ten different things, but I'm not going to get into all of that. Number five, which is the one that we are dealing with, what the Bible says, don't love the world, that's the one he's talking about. The evil world system over which Satan presides as a prince, that is the world we are talking about. This is the world we are talking about. Are you here? What world are we talking about? The evil world system over which Satan... Oh, please, talk back to me. Can you read that with me? One go. Yeah. That is the fallen world. That is the one we are talking about. Look at these references. He says, Hereafter, I will not talk much with you, for the prince of this world cometh. But he had nothing in me. This is Jesus. The prince of this world is coming. Jesus did not say he's the prince of the world. Satan was the prince of the world. He said he's coming. He said nothing in me. Now look at 16 verse 11. John 16 11. He said of judgment because the prince of this world is what? The prince of this world is what? Okay, so there is a world over which there is a prince. And that prince is called Prince Satan. 1 John 5 19. 1 John 5 19. We know that we are of God and the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. So Satan, there is a world that Satan controls. That is a world the Bible says you should not love. Are you okay? Are you okay now? Uh, So when we say do not love the world, we need to understand which world we are talking about. When you meet a Christian who is described as a worldly Christian, he's a Christian who loves the world. You are a worldly Christian when you are in love with the world much more than you are in love with Christ. And I pray that as you go through this year, the Spirit of God will touch you and bring transformation into your life. Next week, 1 John 2, 15. Do not, let's read it together One go. Do not love the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. So, this is it. Now you know the world. Let me just walk you through a few characteristics about the world system we are forbidden to love. Quickly, a few characteristics about the world system that we are forbidden to love. A few characteristics about them. One, it is an invisible world. Somebody says it's an invisible world. It's an invisible world system. It is anti-God or anti-Christ. Satan is in charge of that world. 
So it is a, a world that is anti-God and anti-Christ. It is run by secular humanism, human knowledge, human skill. That is what runs it. And then it is guided by selfish living and worldly thinking. Okay? So you can be a believer and you'll be thinking in a worldly way. When you are a believer and you think in worldly terms, we can describe you as loving the world. Most of the time, when people think about a worldly believer, they think somebody, a Christian who is wearing a short skirt. Worldliness is not in dressing. It's in thinking. Somebody say thinking. Okay. Now, this world has perverted values. Somebody say perverted values. Rampant sin. Godless priorities. And secular ideologies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you are looking for this world, these are the things you will see around it. And, I mean... It is very expansive. This world, you can see it in the world of finance. So there's a world of finance. There's a world of the media. There's a world of education. And all of these words come with a certain way. They are trying to coach you to bring you to think in a particular way. Are you following what I'm teaching? There are several words. Several words out there. And all of these are instruments and avenues Satan works in order to fulfill and perpetuate his agenda. The world system has an agenda. Somebody say it has an agenda. It has an agenda agenda and a mission. Its agenda and its mission is totally hostile to God. Somebody say the agenda of the world. The mission of the world is totally. Is totally. Is totally hostile to God. Utterly hostile to God. Now, why would you want to be a child of God and love a system, a world that is hostile to God? That's why he tells you that do not love the world. You you can't be a child. That's why he said, if anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. You see, God loves you as a child. But if you want to experience God's best for your life, you have to come to understand this. You can't continue to love the world and get the best of God for your life. The power of love is so, so powerful. The Bible says, eyes have not seen nor ear, neither have it entered into the heart of man. The things which God has prepared for them that love him. He says, because you love me, I will set you on high. Psalm 91. I will set you on high. Because you love me, I will set you on high. When your love for God is solid, things happen. But most of the time, we are just in bed with the world. We are not as devoted and sold out to God like we ought to. So, we don't get to enjoy God's best for our lives. Now, let me close with this. You remember the prodigal son? When he left home, he was still a son. When he came back, he was still a son. Do you remember? Now, so, when we talk about the love of the father not being you, you are not talking about the father God is going to reject you or not. not That's why I read from the beginning to you. He said, I write unto you little children. So, God is your father. You are God's child. But if you have to enjoy sweet fellowship with God to a certain level, you have to let go of your love for the world. The prodigal son messed up. What do you think took the prodigal son away? It was love for the world. He went and spent the money boozing and drinking and womanizing. Everywhere. Spent everything. When the money finished, love for the world, he came back. Next week, we'll be looking at the things that makes people fall into loving the world like that. When he came back, everything was gone. The father saw him from afar. He said, I've been mourning for you. I've been weeping for you. Since the day you left, I've been expecting you to come back home. When he came back home, what was given him? The best was given him. Do you understand what I'm saying? When we stay in our love union with God, I tell you, the best will come to you. 2024, the best will be yours. I said, the best will be yours. The best husband will be yours. As you learn to stay away from the world. So that you don't, if you are dating somebody, you don't want to do it like the way unbelievers do. You are not married and are sleeping together in the same one room. You are cohabiting. And you say you don't do anything. How can that be? What kind of human being are you? You are two different. Come and show us how you as a man can stay in a room. And with a woman who is not your sister. And you are not doing anything. In fact, even if she's your sister at a certain age, it is not even advisable. Because even your sister... We have seen some before. Amon did it. Why are you making it look like you are a superhuman? You are too different. Ask your neighbor, why are you acting like you are too different? We know you can do it. 
Turn to your neighbor and say, we know you can do it. So be careful. Yeah, that's all. We know you can do it. You can do it. You have to know that you can do it. When you know what you can do, it helps you. Do you understand? When you are driving and you are speeding, you can have an accident. So be careful. You can have an accident. You have to. You have to be truthful to yourself. If you hang out with sisters around a sister, she's your beloved. You don't intend to have sex in nothing. But if you keep on visiting and moving around at a certain time, in a certain location, alone by yourself, there are things you will do, you will be surprised at yourself. I'm telling you, you will do it and finish. You say, ah, maybe I mean, and you finish it. I'm not going to get here. You will finish it, you will be surprised at yourself. You have to know, tell yourself the truth. Are you here with me? Are you being blessed tonight? Are you blessed tonight? Okay, so that is the journey we have begun. It is a journey of forbidding love. Somebody say forbidding love. love. I trust that you've been blessed. Stand on your feet and begin to thank God and give him praise for tonight. Give him praise. Give him glory. Thank him. 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 If you want to accept Jesus and make him your Lord and Savior, you want to say this prayer after me. Mean every word and then believe it in your heart. Say, Lord Jesus. I confess that you are my Lord and my Savior. I believe with my heart that you died and rose again for me. By my belief, I am justified. And by my confession, I am saved. Thank you for saving me in Jesus' precious name. Amen and amen. If you pray that prayer in faith, you are a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. God bless you. We look forward to having you. Join us again and again. We are blessed. Pastor Afuakwa has just placed in your hands the key for all-round victory, success, and limitless prosperity. Share your testimonies with us on 020-422-5790 or email us at embassyoflifechapel at gmail.com. Get interactive with Pastor Afuakwa on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. For more information, visit our website at www.embassyoflife.org. Fellowship with us this and every Sunday for our service at our headquarter church from 8.30 a.m. to 11 a.m. for our good news service. And on Wednesdays for our discovery service from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. Our church auditorium is located on the top floor of Nanama Ejakuma Plaza opposite the Unity Oil Station, Santasa Runabout, Kumasi, Ghana. Alternatively, you can join us online for our services on Embassy of Life Chapel, Facebook or YouTube pages. God richly bless you. Oh, no, no, no.